When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, the show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. Rob, how are you today? The season starts this week. Hands flapping again, Scott. Hot again, heating up. And yes, the season is here. So we're going to talk a lot about some actual football today. And uh, it's a few days away, but I'm really, really looking forward to go to Old Trafford. I feel kind of optimistic. And I'm looking forward to seeing a Ten Hag team, a Manchester United Ten Hag team, on our football pitch. That makes a change from the last few months. Uh, you went to the Eric Ten Hag's first game at Old Trafford at the weekend against Rio in a 1-1 draw with a rotated a rotated team, let's call it that. Uh, obviously, two friendlies for United over the weekend. Uh, no wins, but you know there are some positive signs, some answers that need to be need to be had as well. Uh, some fixes to be made. We all know. We know about what they are. We'll talk about them today, uh, but we'll do it in a more of a season preview format. So we'll we'll run through. Obviously, the, the season starts for United on Sunday this week. They play Brighton, Old Trafford, and then play Brentford and Liverpool uh, in their first three games. So we'll talk. What can we really expect from United this season? What's what's a realistic ambition? Uh, we'll talk about preseason. We'll talk about uh, the rest of the transfer window as well. What United need to do before the end of the window. Uh, obviously, the same players that we've been speaking about for weeks will probably end up coming up. We'll talk about Frankie De Jong. We'll talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. We'll talk about. Yeah, he's a divisive issue, isn't he? That Ronaldo. Uh, already, <laughs> you've seen him forty-five minutes in the red United shirt this season, leaving early at halftime. Division in the United fandom. arguments, disagreements, let's say, or a sharing of words with the manager on the touchline as he takes on some water during a drinks break. Body language wasn't great. We'll talk about all that. We'll talk about the impact that it could have if Ronaldo stays or if Ronaldo goes. There is currently no suggestion that he will leave, but we have a month of the window left. We'll talk about United summer. Are, Are United ambitious enough in the market? We'll discuss that as well, all in the context of a season preview. Uh, Rob, I don't know whether you want to put United in a... Do you do, you do your own like tables and predictions and all that kind of stuff? I, I've done that myself on a on the 90 Min channel yesterday. Only when we're doing it for work, but as if I'm on my, again, taking journalistic hat off and fan hat on, I try not to. So we will do it today, little bits for the show, of course, but I do think it's one of those things as a Man United fan, that it's not about lowering expectations or kind of lowering what you want to see in terms of quality from Manchester United. But come on, 
it's really difficult, isn't it, at the moment to say where United will be this season, especially when you're giving this new guy, this new manager, the keys to the car and saying to him, fix these 30 different things, please. You know, it's it's not going to be a perfect project in the early days. So um, I do feel optimistic just simply because I'm seeing Man United pass the ball five yards much better than they were last year. That's a big tick for me. And there are definitely positionally things that I look at and go, yeah, I like that. That's kind of what I've wanted to see from Ole's team and from Ranić's team. So I feel good about those. But no, I generally don't do the whole prediction thing because uh, I think you're just on to a hide into nothing when you predict something and of course it goes wrong. That's half the fun of it though, isn't it? Uh, We'll see anyway. Uh, We'll talk about the season ahead. Uh, Just a reminder though, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. And watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube as well. We might change the days during the season, depending on when United are playing Premier League fixtures. Uh, Obviously, they're in the Europa League as well, uh, which will be very exciting, obviously. Uh, Head over to the YouTube channel. uh, The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast is the name of the channel. Hit the like button on all of our videos, including this one. Subscribe to the channel, join the community, leave a comment as well. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform that I just mentioned earlier. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promised MU for the show. Now, okay, so where are we then, Rob? Uh, as it stands, Man United have made three signings. Uh, obviously, Lisandro Martinez made his debut the other day. Christian Eriksen has played over the weekend as well. And who's the other signing? I'm mind blanking already. Malaysia. Yes, there we go. He's played. He's played uh, on the preseason tour a number of times. Sorry about that. Feels United, like he's been here forever, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's, it's hard to hard to differentiate. But uh, I've been quietly impressed with him. I think he'll bring uh, a lot to the table. Challenge Luke Shaw for the left back position. United want more, obviously, and uh, fans are starting to get frustrated. The season starts in a few days' time. United do need more. Like, there's no question about it. They do. They've let five, six players go. Paul Pogba, Nemanja Matic, Juan Mata, Jesse Lingard, all the likes. There'll be more players to leave as well uh, before the window ends later this month. But where are you at the moment, Rob? I know you said you're optimistic. As it stands with this United team, what is a realistic... What are realistic ambitions for you as a fan going into the season? What do you want to see from the team? That, that you can bring league position into that, you can bring uh, Europa League winner into that trophy, whatever you want, or you can, it can be strictly style of play and progress. In the first instance, it's got to be style of play and philosophy. That's the first bit. And that's the bit that when you take your players on a training pitch and you talk to them and you communicate to them, they'll all nod like dogs. Yes, boss. Yes, boss. That's what you know, staff tend to do in that situation. But you've got to find out who really wants it, who can do what you want them to do, and then move on. So that is a much slower progress and slower kind of method than people, I think, sometimes grasp, because that's Ten Hag getting to know his staff. What I've been looking for in pre-season, watching all the games every minute, looking at training sessions, all the stuff that you tend to do when you're kind of building up to a season, is, is that kind of going is that going from one person's brain into other people's brains and I think the answer to that is yes so that's the first thing I'm looking for again that big tick I'm looking for that connection between the manager and the existing players you just said there do do Man United need new players yes we do of course no doubt but Manchester United have had a shotgun way of doing transfers in the past and that is the it's not a case of panic stations but it's about commercial arm What does the commercial arm want? Who can we go and get? Just like last year, you know, people thought Man United won the transfer window because you got Cristiano Ronaldo and then you had your worst season in Premier League history. So these things, Scott, don't always correlate. And fans think they do, but they don't. It's about the organic process at the start. So for me, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for those first seeds to be sown and then the fields to kind of grow with the shoots coming out. You know, the corn isn't grown, is it, after a week or two? It's there months later and you see your work, your hard work kind of start to to show off. So that's what I'm looking for with this Brighton game coming up is that we see a team that is motivated, that presses, that passes 
and that really, really wants to wear that shirt because we've not seen it for so long. And this is why Cristiano is now a sticky situation. We know he doesn't want to wear the shirt. We know this. It's not, it's not, uh, no one's dreaming it. It's a real fact. And that's something that needs to be sorted out. And September the 1st is the kind of de facto deadline of whether Manchester United's transfer activity was good or not. So, yes, we need new players. We're still in for De Jong. And it's like the world's most boring story. I say it every week. But there are players there that will make you better in the market. But I do not want to rush this. I want this to be completely articulated and cerebral and slow. Make it work. Don't just give fans signings because that's what fans want. And Ten Hag needs the players that he needs and wants, not to sell shirts, but obviously to win football matches. Yeah, you can tell. I mean, uh, Malasia, obviously, highly rated. He's a Dutch international left back, but he's not the type of player that you... He's not Mark Cucciarella, for example, who has like Chelsea are on the verge of signing him, paying 50 million or so for him from Brighton after he's joined from Barcelona a few years back. And he's, he's a good player. He's a good player, but 50 million is a lot. Feels like Chelsea are falling into the United trap of the, of the last few years. Uh, Funnily I'm, enough, model-wise, the same model, exactly the same, you know, very close to the Glazers in that in yeah. that terms of of what, what works. You know, what works in American sports? Can you translate it to the, the Premier League? And making those mistakes. So this is why Chelsea are going to make those mistakes with this new owner. So that's something for them to deal with. Now, they might, they might absolutely home run it, uh, Scott, bringing 10 players, win the Premier League, and we're sat here going, oh, it's a great bit of business. But this is what the Glazers have done year after year for 10 years now, is they've made recruitment errors because they think spending money is what fans want. Now, that is what fans want. You've got to bring in players that help you win. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why... Yeah, Obviously, I'm as frustrated as anyone that United haven't got all their business done yet. They need three more players, probably. I think in an ideal world, I don't think they'll get three this month. Might get two at best, I think. Uh, Frankie De Jong plus one. Maybe it'll be De Jong himself. Maybe it'd be an alternative to De Jong if they can't get him later in the window. We'll talk about him in more specifics in a little bit. But like Malassia, for example, and Martinez are two players that actually fit a philosophy that Ten Hag... Like obviously, Ten Hag has seen these players, and I know you're not getting, getting some criticism for going specifically after Ten Hag's targets, and that is... Ideally, they need a sporting director who's making all these decisions. But if Ten Hag is wanting to implement a style of play, he's going to need players that he believes can carry out the instructions that he gives them. And then that means... I don't know if you noticed this, Rob, but United haven't really been linked with many players this summer. Like, it, actually, it's, it's probably seven or eight, I would say. It's usually 60. It's, it's, it's really crazy. But there's been nothing concrete with anybody else apart from the likes of Sesco, De Jong, Malasia, Timber, uh, Martinez, Christian Eriksen. And that's it, really. Uh, maybe a missing one or two. The the sub-goalkeeper, you know, I'm not counting that. But it feels like United are much more focused than they have been before. And while I'm not satisfied that they haven't got everything yet, I don't want them to go and pick players out and fall in the same trap of, oh, you'll do. You know, stick it out. A stick to the plan. If it doesn't work this season, at least you're not spending 40, 50 million on a player you're just going to leave, you're going to want to sell in three years. Yeah, and this is why, like my own kind of sat, like being like being satisfied around transfers is something I kind of actively try and step away from because, like you were saying, no, United need three or four or whatever. I think United need ten. United probably need. Yeah, they do. They do. 10 new players, in, in theory. Like, if you're looking at a squad situation or 25 players, Man United are, have, have cleared out the matches of the world, the Lingards, the Pogbas, all the guys on the end of their contracts. You've then got question marks, I think, about existing players, whether that be your Donny van der Bakes, you know, other players, the youngsters, the Ameds, the Palestries, all these players, will they be at the football club, your Ethan Lairds? The issue with that is, is that you kind of probably need 10 with your existing core to build, but it's almost impossible. You can't do that at the moment. That's three you have years to, worth of science. You have to do it in a much more of a microclimate. You've got to do it slowly but surely and weed players out. This time next year, Scott, Luke Shaw might not be at Man United. 
like Luke Shaw, who's a major player at Man United, major contract earner, because Malaysia might just take it over. Or in a year's time, Luke Shaw might be the best left back in the world and Malaysia is doing a tellers on the bench. So this is the thing. You've got to allow a manager time to kind of succeed and fail. There's going to be a process here where you lose football matches. There will be. Man United will lose football matches this season because it's not perfect. And even the teams that are perfect, the Cities, the Liverpools, they will also lose the odd match here and there. The problem is they just won't lose as many. So this is always the balance, I think, with it. And, yep, United need 10, but that, as you said, is totally three years' worth of transfer business. And you're right. And I think in terms of the information coming out of Manchester United and the whole press cycle around the football club, we can kind of see that this is the end of the Ed Woodward era Mm -hmm. because all of that has stopped in its tracks. Man United have stopped doing the whole PR thing of let's just be linked to everyone and play the game and spin the wheel and do all of this. And they've actually gone, we've got five targets, we're working on them. I'm all right with that. I like that. That's proper business. If you don't get those targets, yeah, move on. If you don't get De Jong at the end of the window, move on. But if you think De Jong is the person that pushes your needle in your midfield, do everything you can to get him and then give up. That's the right way to do it, isn't it? So uh, United have bought so many players over the years where it's been like eating a bowl of cereal in the morning. You know, it might taste good, but ultimately it's going to make you sick. You know, like it's not good food. It's not the way to do it. And United have done that all year. We saw I there at the pre Well, <laughs> we just saw the preseason game, you know, Radamel Falcao playing for Rio Vallecano, you know, and, and, and I can remember being stood in the sand singing, you know, you know, Radamel Falcao and singing his name and all of that. And it was like all fun and great, but it was a wrong signing. But we still wanted it because he was the bowl of cereal. So, you know, Bastian Schweinsteiger, cereal. You know, it's all these things. You get players that make you feel good. Now you need players that make you win. And that is a much slower process. Not one Man United fan, Scott, six months ago would have said, my answer for the defence is an Argentinian lad called Martinez. They wouldn't have said it, not once. Not one Man United fan wanted him. But you know what? He might be the guy that pushes the needle for Man United this season. And I think he might well be because he's got the technical acumen to do that role that maybe, say, Maguire suffers in. I would not be surprised if it's Martinez and Maguire this season. I've said this already. So this is what Ten Hag is building, and fans are going to have to let him make mistakes in order to fix stuff. Klopp was like that in year one. Guardiola was like that in year one. You know, made mistakes, said, right, you can't do it. I've given you a go for six months. Off you go, cliche. Off you go, Sanya. Not doing you anymore. Just going to go buy some new fullbacks. So I think that's what Ten Hag will do. He might do that same with Martial and Rashford. Might say, do you know what? Gave you six months. You tried. You failed. You're out of the football club. I'm going to go and buy some new forwards now. But you've got to do that process. Yeah, like like you say. I know United are probably overpaid for Lisandro Martinez. They, they, they have. Um, but they bought him specifically because of the qualities that he has. Because he's a left-footed central defender, Eric Ten Hag wants one. He wants somebody who is able to, you know, have quality on the ball, out of the back, out of defence, tenacious tackler. Obviously, he had some criticism because he's not six foot four, six foot five, towering centre-back. But they're buying players not on their profile, their commercial profile, or because they're cheap. They're buying players because... They fit an idea, which is not the way that United have done it for years. Maybe you can pick out a few signings on one hand. And that's why you go and get Ten Hag, because you now realise that 10 years of sugar-coated signings have got you pretty much nothing. So, you know, you spent 1.3 billion on players. You get told by fans all the time that the football club doesn't spend money on players, but you've spent more than anyone else in the world. And you're rubbish. So what does that tell you? So this is why it's important that you have football people behind this project. And Ten Hag is the godhead of that project. So Murto really needs to be the guy that goes and does Ten Hag's work for him. You know, goes to Barcelona and knocks on the door and says, oh, you've had a conversation with this guy called Frankie De Jong. And you've had a conversation with these players. I'm here now to try and do business with you. That's what I want Murto to do. I don't want Murto to be the person driving the philosophy. He's not on the training pitch, Scott. If you had an existing philosophy, you could then let that work. If you had a, a kind of 
someone who who was tasked with rebuilding the football club in a stylistic manner, like in, in the same way that we've seen in the past years at Barcelona when they've rebuilt and Ajax when they've rebuilt, they've already got an existing mandate. But United haven't got a mandate. They just play really bad football. So that cannot be your starting point as a manager. So this is why I think with, with Ten Hag, I, I, I wanted to see that connection between him and his players in the early days. I'm certainly seeing that the players have bought in you can see it. They're running. They're working, most of them. Um, and for that reason, I'm willing to kind of give it a little bit more time to kind of make any kind of judgment. I I think every year for a new manager, you have to say 12 months and then you review it. You can't do it after one game. And we've not even had the first game of the season yet. So let's say hypothetically, obviously United are a team that they haven't won anything for five years. Uh, they need to... They're, they're a club that just have to win trophies. That's the mantra. They, they mm-hmm. always say it. What if Ten Hag gets the best out of some players, but there's obvious holes in his team? United finish sixth or seventh at the end of the season and don't win anything. Well, I think Klopp's first season, Liverpool came, did they come eighth, eighth seventh or, or eighth? Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying, oh yeah, that's, that's the pathway. Yeah, come eighth, it's okay. At Manchester United, we know full well that the minimum expectation is top four this year. Minimum, you know. So if, if on the final day, Man United scrape a draw somewhere because the ball goes off, you know, anti Martial's ankle and you win 1-0 and on goal difference, you, you come fourth, you live with it. You say, that's that objective achieved. It doesn't need to be beautiful. It just needs to be a work in progress. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth would be a disaster because, again, this is Manchester United. And this is also why, Scott, I don't play too hard on the, oh, let's win a cup thing because a cup's a nice day out. A cup doesn't push your needle towards where you want to be. League points, league average points, game per game, is what you're looking for this year. You're looking to expand that and get closer to the top two. That's what you've got to do. Say that's what Chelsea didn't do last year after winning the Champions League. People were like, oh, they're ready to challenge for the title. They've got Lukaku. Here we go. And they were probably worse than they've been for quite a long mm-hmm. time. So, you know, you, you still get top four. That's the minimum. But ultimately, I think you've got to kind of have a very broad expectation of what you want to see this team do this season. I, I, I caveat that trophy. I, I agree on the whole, the, the trophy idea. But yeah. I, I look at the Europa League this season and think that is a viable Champions League pathway. Uh, yeah, let's say United came sixth and they won the Europa League playing some good football. That is, I'm more than happy with that for a first season. Like, I, I would actually be happy with that. Yeah, I, I, I will use the kind of Europa League element with Jose Mourinho. So, Jose Mourinho in year one came in, I thought football was quite good. You know, I was really pleased with stylistic issues, it was changes, what we saw. Mourinho was much more open about playing more kind of entertaining football and kind of getting his team to do good stuff rather than regressive stuff, which happened later. But he won that Europa League in year one and it is a pathway to the Champions League. But do you know what? I'd rather not win it and come top four. That's what I would prefer because uh-huh. it tells me that over that 38-game period that stuff is starting to move the right direction. So I think sometimes Europa League come, can sometimes be, again, that bowl of cereal, that kind of full store. And it's like, oh, we've got a trophy. It feels great. Look. And then the next day, everyone kind of goes, what's that big vase in the corner again? Oh, it's Europa League, you know, stick a bunch of flowers in it. To me, it doesn't really mean a lot. I'd like to win the trophy, but I never, this period of the season, think, yeah, I'd be, I'd really be happy with Europa League title. I think it's kind of, that's down the line. I want to see Man United consistent in the Premier League. The Premier League is the bread and the butter. And that's where United have got to start to get being a better football club. Because that's what did fell away last year, wasn't it, with Ranić? Ranić came in, everyone's high about it. And the players just went, well, he's not really our manager, so just have a few months off. And that's the end of your season. United could have walked top four last year, walked it. They could have mm-hmm. easily came third, and they didn't. So that's on us, isn't it? That's on the football team. So this year, I want to see that league form. I want to see every week those kind of building blocks in place and Man United accumulating points. I know I just said about sixth in the Europa League, I'd be happy with that. Like, honestly... Ambition wise for United, people might look at that and think, wow, that is an, that's an awful thing to be happy with. But 
look at it in the context of the progress and the position that United are in at the moment. Everyone thinks that all these United players are absolute trash and they need to be sold. Like mm-hmm. everyone does. If you can, Ericsson Hagen use this first year to identify the players that are absolutely imperative to the project that he has and adjust accordingly and make transfers for players that will complement the players that have been playing well underneath him. That's a good start for me. It's a, it's a good start. Ultimately, that in three years, if United's still in that position, that's awful. Like United need to make more progress than that, but they need to make conscious steps forward. And I think style of play is absolutely imperative to that. We need to see the lights of... I want to see Jaden Sancho have a really good season. I want to see Marcus Rashford either way have a good season or for us to decide on him, you know, you're either good enough or you're not. Uh, and other players fall into those categories as well. But it's it's time now that Eric Ten Hag starts to build his team and you can't build it in three months. No, you can't. And not all silverware is equal, Scott. You know, I would say this again. I think the Premier League and the Champions League are the two, obviously, Top trophies, that's what Manchester United aspire for. This year, you don't get the opportunity at the Champions League. You know, you don't. You've, you've blown that because you didn't come top four. And and for me, I, I think that Eric Ten Hag could win the FA Cup this year and come outside the top four and get sacked. That's what could happen. So I don't want to see that because I think that opens the door, you see, to failure and to change again. And that's the one thing Man United definitely don't need. So fans get happy going to Wembley and lifting that tin pot and going, yeah, 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 it's a trophy that means a lot to us. But it only really matters if you're doing all the other stuff. You're actually getting there in your league form. And then the, the trophies, those extra trophies can mean something. But, you know, we saw Lou Van Gaal win, win the FA Cup in his second year. And and many Man United fans will say to you, oh, you know, they should have stuck with Louis and gone with it. Well, the football was turgid. Was that was very, that's very revisionist. That. You know, it is very revisionist, but that's because we've seen a lot of rubbish. This is the problem. So fans look backwards and kind of go, oh, remember when that night with Jose, you know, winning the, winning the League Cup? That was a great day, wasn't it? You know, no, it's a trophy that kind of just fills a gap for 10 minutes and then you move on. That's how footballers think. So I think this is kind of where we stand with with, with Eric Ten Hag. He'd want to win a trophy because it shows that his players are motivated to go and win trophies, but not all trophies are equal. And Manchester United need to perform in the Premier League and become that force again. They need to be able to turn up at all of these places outside the top 10 and people need to be intimidated by them because they're Manchester United. And what we've seen in very, very recent years is that teams turn up at Old Trafford. I watched them do their thing like half an hour before kickoff, taking the pictures. Look, we're here today. And then they come out and they give Man United a spanking. And we can't have that anymore. We can't be that team. We have to dominate home and away. And that's the first bit. That's what I need Ten Hag to instill into this squad. And then you get a trophy on the back of it. Great, but get top four first. So I won't ask you outright whether you think United will. What do United realistically... Ask me. Go on, (laughs) go on then. As it stands, I don't think United will make top four. As it stands. I'm talking on August the 2nd. If they get Frankie de Jong, plus one, I think they have a much better chance of doing so. But I look at other teams who are far... Are much further along in their progression towards what their manager wants them to be. I look at mm-hmm. Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool and City are miles ahead of everyone else. Chelsea will spend big money. I'm kind of expecting something there to... Yeah. I'm kind of expecting ructions there, to be honest. So, so I can't put Chelsea in top four. I think that the, my prediction is I got United fifth, sixth at the moment. What, yeah. what do you think? If you look at everything just on paper... Man United are absolutely not a top four team as it stands today. But this is why maybe having, again, these shotgun transfers that we've seen in the past at Manchester United are not helpful because it tells players and it tells fans, oh, this is it now, we're here. You know, like Man United last year, you signed Ronaldo, you've arrived. And again, like people say, oh, is it playing devil's advocate? You're saying you got Ronaldo. Yeah, that's a positive thing. In some ways, he scores goals, but will it ruin your team? And my fans are going, what? That cannot happen. That's never going to happen. And you have the worst season that you've ever had. So this is why that a signing, like you just said there, Frankie de Jong pushes Man United on. Absolutely, in terms of your project. But what if Frankie de Jong takes six months to kind of acclimatise to Premier League football? He's not your most natural Premier League midfielder. So he might still be the right player for you today at the right price. And the player that the manager knows and vice versa doesn't mean 
that you start winning or start becoming good. It just means that you're going maybe slowly in the direction that you want to go in. So you've asked me a question. Where do you think we'll come? I think that you're fifth at the moment or sixth, but you absolutely can see a big wide open door to the top four because Arsenal are ahead of you a year in their project. Spurs are a year ahead of you in their project. That's kind of where they all are in terms of pushing their numbers. And they want to be top four. That's their ambitions. But they are just as dysfunctional as any other football club in the Premier League. They can all go on big losing streaks. Chelsea win the Champions League two years ago. And everyone's like, here we go. They buy Lukaku, Lukaku, and they are rubbish. You know, they just really, they could have fallen out of that top four. There was another month or two of the season. So I look at it like that as an open door. I just say to myself, Manchester United can come top four. And that's where the positivity in me is. I kind of go, I want to turn up the games and see you start playing good football. And if you do that, you might start winning games. And people might go in November, December, well, Man United are five points off City at the top. That's amazing. You're third and you're comfortable and you're winning every week. So that's where you have to look internally, Scott, at yourself. And forget Arsenal, forget Tottenham, forget all the other players in that in that league. You're not playing them every week. Yeah, you've got to go to Crystal Palace and beat the palaces of the world to get in the top four, not Arsenal. So that's the way I, I kind of look at it is that I'm not thinking about uh, City. I'm not thinking about Liverpool. They're in their own little league, aren't they? Those two, they're miles ahead of everyone. But you know what? If you get it right in the next one or two or three years, you can be back up there fighting those teams. Brighton is a good measure. Like, and the first game. It's a good measure. United, everyone remembers how chastening losing 4-0 at Brighton at the end of last season was. Yeah. United were and you pathetic. deserved it. They were pathetic and, that day. And you're pathetic and you deserved it. And like this is, again, you look at comparing projects. Potter's project at Brighton is two or three years advanced. You know, all of his players don't need a pre-season to work out what Potter is thinking. They know it's all ingrained. Man United's players met Ten Hag six weeks ago. Some of those players are doing it. And some of those are going, this running lock is difficult. Uh, well, pressing what? Where do I press? That space up there, boss. You know, so that's a, that's a hard thing to kind of get into players' heads consistently so you get consistent performances this is why i say the league form is what's important because brighton will just do brighton things won't they they just will but you've got to prove that you've got more talent than brighton on a football pitch and that you can you can take tactics from your manager and go out and win and win in a kind of convincing fashion the way that the reason why people look at brighton and think oh they're a good club is because they have a philosophy they buy for their philosophy they have done for years they employ managers based on a philosophy that the club yeah. wants to play football that yeah. they've done it with managers before graham potter dan ashworth has yeah. now gone to newcastle but he's been really important in you know making Hugely. that happen yeah. and yes brighton don't you know i know brighton scored four against united the other day but generally they're the team that misses the most chances mm -hmm. known as that you know the, the season before that united you know, I got battered by Brighton and won with a penalty after the final whistle. They, and, they, and they got like three, four times. Yeah, and they got battered by teams in situations that you wouldn't expect it. So they might dominate a team for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, a whole half. And then the next half looked like they were all on holiday. And that was a kind of tactical breakdown between the players and the management. And what were the expectations? Well, the expectations, Scott, is to do your job. You know, you're there. You're supposed to be one of the best footballers in the world in your position because you play for Manchester United. You're supposed to help your team win, not just score goals or get assists or, or pad numbers. Win every week. So uh, that fact for me, I think, is why I'm excited about Ten Hag because I think his expectation, he keeps saying it in his pressers. He's like, yeah, the team played well. They did this. I'm really pleased with that. It's been a successful preseason, but we've got to win. Uh -huh. I want to win. I'm here to win. And he keeps saying it over and over again. And that's not what we heard from Ole. Ole wasn't that kind of guy. Ole would be a lot more kind of cuddly and, yeah, the boys did good and all that stuff. Ranić came in, was supposedly too stern, too hard for people. They couldn't take his criticism. And, you know, we've had loads of reports off the back now how awful and toxic it was. This guy has to be the great unifier and at the same time be a disciplinarian. Be the guy that says, I, I want to win. And if you don't win with me... Buy, get out of our football club, and you need that kind of coach. That's a good segue, actually. Let's just uh, move the show around because we do need to actually move on uh, to still transfers happening. Transfers. <laughs> uh, 
just because you meant you mentioned there about uh i can't remember i can't remember verbatim what you said but i know it i just thought let's talk about then the impact of cristiano ronaldo because hmm, i was going to do de Jong first but we'll come to him in a little bit the impact of ronaldo so obviously he is the player at the moment with the highest profile he's one of the greatest players of all time Rob and I will both sit here and tell you that that's the case. He is. He absolutely totally. is. He's 37, 38 years old this season, has had 45 minutes of preseason, played under Ten Hag at Old Trafford the other day. And no matter what you want to say, you can defend Ronaldo to the hilt if you want. He wants to go. He absolutely wants to go. And the reason that I myself, I'm not going to speak for you here, Rob, although I know how you feel. The reason why I think Ronaldo should go is because I just think that's going to end up being detrimental. Because you can see, I know Ronaldo isn't fully match fit, and Ten Hag has confirmed that himself, but Ronaldo is not going to run and run and run for the team. He's going to have some kind of expectation that other people do the run for him, the running for him. And it might be that Eric Ten Hag can make it work, but if he doesn't do it, he's going to have to drop Ronaldo. And we know from last season, the ructions and the reports that come out the unsettling that comes out through the press, through United, all of this kind of business. What's he doing with Ronaldo? What, why is Ronaldo on the bench? If United keep Ronaldo on the bench and draw 1-1, well, he should have brought Ronaldo on. He would have scored a goal. But at the same time, I've said this in previous shows, the most important thing for now, and Henry, Henry Witt has done a piece on this as well. Mm-hmm. Ten Hag is the future. Ronaldo is the past. This, they, they don't fit hand in hand. They, they just don't. It, and at the, Ronaldo wants to go. He wants to, he wants to win the Champions League. He wants, to, wants more money, whatever reason it is. I just think something's going to... If Ronaldo does stay, something's going to happen this season where they fall out, whether that is, that is directly leaked out or whether it's Ronaldo going off for a month injured or something like that. I just don't think you can, you can see it in his body language. And as much as you want to say, you can deny this. Ronaldo looks at all he's done in the game. And he did this on the touchline the other day. This is how I read it. Ten Hag was trying to pose instructions on him or tell him what to do. Ronaldo was taking a drink of water and being like, okay, whatever, whatever. Who are you? <laughs> that's, that's kind of how it came down to me. And other people yeah. will read it that way. And then that will snowball into unsettling the rest of the team. And the manager yeah. having to answer questions on Ronaldo. Why he isn't playing every single game? We've seen it on the preseason tour. He wasn't even there. And Ten Hag was having to answer questions every press conference about Ronaldo. Totally. Get rid of the player power. I, I'm sick of it, honestly. If, you, if your player, if he's the most powerful man at your football club, and he is putting that message out to his teammates that he's above everything, especially things like tactical instructions, then you're dead, aren't you? And like you just said there about the past and the present, and this is unfortunately, again, where football fans live. They live in the past, you know, and they want to see things that they thought worked in years gone by work today. Of course, football is visceral and football changes all the time. So your tactics have to be on board for what you've got and what's playing in front of you. And this is what the problem was last year, is that Cristiano could go and get you a hat-trick in a game. He could. And then, of course, you come out the football stadium and you go, oh, Ronaldo scored a hat-trick. That was really nice. You know, it didn't actually play that well, but Ronaldo got a hat-trick. And fans fall into this real vortex of thinking that, that goals win you games. But the truth is it isn't. It's performances. It's how you make it work. You know, it's about how the team operates. You just said there about Cristiano in that in that um, little segment when he stood in front of Ten Hag having a drink, kind of after about half an hour of the game. And Ten Hag clearly was telling Ronaldo to push. You could see him. He was shouting his name. Cristiano, push, 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 push. That's kind of what he was saying during the game. And he comes over. Ronaldo has his sip of drink. And... He did listen to the manager, like the manager was saying, I want you to kind of push it. And you could see the, what he was telling him, pushing up the pitch, press, press, press. And Ronaldo went, yes, boss, whatever. And when Ronaldo turned around, big, bad kind of mouth going down, not happy about that, walking off. And that's what he does. He's always done it. He's done yeah, it since he, he was a kid. He can't not do it he shows how he feels on his face you know so it's not like yeah the boss telling me to push so you know i've not done pre-season so i'm gonna work get my fitness right no 
Cristiano's on Instagram posting stuff, lifting weights with his body out, saying, oh, look at me, look, I'm doing the work. No, you're not doing the work. The work is what Ten Hag tells you to do, not what you want to do. So this is the balance, isn't it? People like kill Paul Pogba for being an Instagram star, being in Dubai on an exercise bike. Why are you not at Carrington? It's got to apply to everyone, isn't it? So this is the thing I think with Cristiano is that he's a toxic mess at the football club. He is. He's in players' ears. He is a dominant figure and he cares about Cristiano. And United fans are going to have to decide whether they are Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo FC fans or Manchester United fans. Because if you're one or the other, then you're going to go with Cristiano to his next football club. And it's goodbye and thank you and let's get on with it. Because I think that's the way it has to be. If you're a United fan, you're going to stick with Ten Hag. You're going to give this guy a chance to succeed at our football club. But it's a sad way to end, isn't it? But it's, it's, it's inevitable, you know, and it's always going to be about Cristiano because Cristiano's going to do stuff. He said the other day, didn't he? Oh, the press write about me and one day you'll get it right. Ha, 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 ha. You drive it, mate. Your agent is driving this story. He's driving it publicly that he's going to football clubs saying my, my player does not want to play for Man United anymore. So if you do that, pack your bags, get on your private jet and fly off. The football club will survive and someone might play in his position, take that number seven shirt and be a true number seven for Man United. You know, we've not talked about it here, have we? But we've just seen here with the, the England girls who wear the Man United shirt and have achieved so much in this kind of short period of time. It was only three or four years ago. We didn't even have a women's team at Manchester United and we were calling for it. And now we have three players that have won the Euros. And one of those girls wears the number seven shirt. I really do hope at Old Trafford this season we see boys and girls in that number seven for Ella Toon rather than Cristiano Ronaldo. What an achievement that was, by the way. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's a sporting achievement and it's our football club and this is the connection. And the wider so, picture as well, obviously. It's the wider picture and it's kind of, we talk about society and what we want from our lives and worlds and equality and all of this. We bang on about it all the time. And when it really happens, people kind of get a bit shocked. And, and here we are now, we've got this equality bet maybe between what we expect from both our women's teams and our men's teams. But yet our men can kind of still do the stuff that Ronaldo's doing. I don't think it's acceptable, but you know, we're seeing achievement on the other side of the fence there. It should be celebrated. And I think we will see this more now. I think we will actually see female footballers on the backs of shirts at Old Trafford as we go forward, rather than maybe some of these, you know, these godheads that think they're bigger than everyone, calling me Cristiano. Do you know, if Cristiano turns up this season, Scott, does the work, scores the goals, does everything we expect, I'll be there clapping him. It's not going to happen. I mean, I can't, I can't see it. I, I in an ideal world, I've said, I've said yeah. this right. In an ideal world, I'd like Ronaldo to stay and to be happy with the rotation place. Come on, as an yep. impact player, score the yep. goals that we know that he can score and be used at the mercy of the manager, not being put in place every single, every single match for ninety minutes at a time, not running for the cause. Because he yeah. just can't do it, 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 it Again, like I think with pre-season, like with the with the uh, Vallecano game, what you saw there, because they were the kind of fringe players, weren't they? Not, I'm not saying that for Cristiano, but I'm talking in general, just to how it started and new players. So it's kind of like, as Ten Hag said, some of these guys only met each other this morning. <laughs> it's like, ooh. Yeah, I mean, like Ericsson only met half the team that day, Martinez. Um, but uh, you, you kind of have an expectation for that team's kind of do the work. And you could see that that team hadn't done the stuff with Ten Hag over the tour. And that's why it's important to give players minutes in that, in that environment. But you can see how easily broken it is. The, the passing wasn't as good. The pressing wasn't as good. The communication wasn't as good because these players are learning it. However, on the tour, it looked much better, didn't it, with this, what you would call the de facto starters, you know, the Sanchos and the Rashfords and the Martials, all kind of showing that they can do this stuff. And that's where you are today, you know, and you might, if you have one or two injuries, you're going to bring, bring in players that are not up to speed. But do you want to worry about Ronaldo off the back of that because he's not been at preseason? I don't think you do, you know, because if this team is about Ronaldo, you're going to lose football matches. So I think Ten Hag is a, is a brave manager, a strong manager, a strong man, and I think he'll make all the right choices. Yeah, I think there's, if he does stay, there's probably going to be a, 
some kind of power play, whether it's overblown in the press or whatever. You know, I, I think there probably will be some friction there. Ronaldo wants to play every game, score as many goals as he possibly can. He hasn't got that long left in his career. Will Ten Hag be big enough to manage Ronaldo out of the team? Will Ronaldo be happy with that? I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. There's a month left of the transfer window. And people make this point as well. How can you want Ronaldo to leave when Frankie de Jong doesn't want to join? I mean, I look at Ronaldo and I think, well, that's a square peg in a round hole in a Ten Hag system. Frankie de Jong is a round peg in a round hole in a Ten Hag system. That's the mm. difference. And you can say as much as you want that De Jong doesn't want to join United. We'll talk about him now. He, he wants to stay at Barcelona, ideal scenario. But he's got deferred wages. He's got a pay cut to have to take if he wants to stay. He wants to play in the Champions League. But he has, and, and now Sport are reporting this as well, the, the guys who've been saying that Frankie De Jong has ruled out categorically that he's, he, he's not joining United. No chance. No chance in hell of, on, uh, on Monday put out Oh, he's not actually rejected United yet. And they seem to have caught up with uh, the deferred wages issue, which is the crux of all of this. Yeah, Chelsea might have some interest. I mean, me and Rob spoke about this before we started the show. Chelsea have been gazumped by Barcelona a number of times. They look like they might be doing it to Man City with Cucciarella. Maybe they could do it with United and De Jong. They can offer in Champions League football. But I honestly do think that United are in pole position here still. And I do think that United have to go that extra mile now. I think this this deferred wages issue, Barcelona do not want to pay in those wages. <laughs> they just don't. And I think De Jong is so important to the identity and the style of play over the next few years. I know, like you said earlier, Rob, might take him six months to a year to get adjusted to the Premier League, but he knows what Ten Hag expects. He's probably the best central midfielder in the world who is available. No matter what mm. Barcelona say, although Joan Laporta has also changed his tune in the last few days with some interviews mm. with CBS saying, oh, yeah, I can't, you know football, you can't, can never rule anything out, can I'll you? do my best to keep the player, but I'm not saying I am. <laughs> like you're saying, this guy's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think De Jong is so important to United progressing, whether it's straight away or whether it's in the next couple of years. But I don't really think there's a player of his quality who United can get once he's in the door, he'll be committed. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I, I think, again, there's so much smoke and mirrors around this. And unfortunately, because of the swing backwards and forwards with the press and with Barcelona's line on this, people have this kind of idea that Frankie Dion doesn't want to come to Manchester United. Now, in terms of contacts, we know that Dion, and we keep saying this, has spoken to Ten Hag and vice versa, and they've had conversations there is absolutely no way any of this would still be carrying on if those conversations were not what we needed to hear. It's just not going to happen. Like, Ten did Hag... it with Timber. Ten Hag is not a mug. He's not a mug. He's not going to say, yeah, you know, keep going for this player if this player doesn't want to play for me. He's actually talked to the guy. So I think, again, that you said their sport have caught up with the story or just basically admitted it now rather than caught up with it. They knew it all along. Or kind of They've where, just been where we were. Uh, PR, chief PR mouthpiece. Of course, that's what they are. They, yeah. As I said, I think their offices are actually at the new Camp. You know, it's kind of they're that close to the football club. Um, and now Barcelona are getting to this kind of deadline of registration of players, which is mid-August. So we're not too far away there, a couple of weeks away. They're going to, have to make some bigger decisions. And Sport said yesterday two things, really interesting things. Frankie de Jong is now open to joining Manchester United, which is the opposite of what they've said forever because they've been putting that line out there. And the other thing now is about Barcelona would rather move this player on because they don't want his wage, and they quite like the idea of getting 80 million euros for him. Now, we knew all of that three months ago. We did. We knew all of this. the 13th week. <laughs> we, we knew all of that at the start of the deal in the first week, because it was Barcelona shopping De Jong to Manchester United, saying, we want to do a deal with you. Do you want the player? That was the point that De Jong, or being on holiday, spoke to Ten Hag, and that was that moment when they realised Manchester United they could go and get this player because they spoke to the player. They knew it. So you just said there as well, like, you know, Dion wants to stay there. He's definitely settled in Barcelona and his family are and all of that. But that doesn't matter in football. It doesn't matter that you're happy where you are. It's a job. It's a business. And if your job moves 2,000 miles somewhere, 
because that's how it is to carry on earning your free 400 grand a week. That's what you do. It's the job. You remember when and David Beckham didn't want to leave Man United in 2003 and got kicked yeah, and, out? And, and the irony of it was with David Beckham, I think it's a good comparison, actually, that you bring up, Bex. David Beckham didn't want to leave Man United, but David Beckham had instructed his agent at the start of that campaign to go looking for new football clubs. And Fergie went, done, gone, bye. We will get this offer and you can go and be a Galactico. And Bex didn't want to go to Real Madrid. He wanted to go to Barcelona. That was his dream. He wanted to go and play for Barcelona at that moment. And that's what his agent was trying to do. And Man United went, Real Madrid have brought up the put up the money. You're off. Bye, lad. And it was over in minutes. Like Fergie's like, bye, you're not ever going to play for me again. Now, it wasn't because Fergie doesn't love Bex or vice versa. It's business. Yeah. And the business of football never stops moving. You've got to just do it and get on with it. So this is the whole thing. I would not be surprised that if the deal gets done uh, for De Jong and he comes in, that you don't see any of this negativity that he comes in and he goes, I'm up for this. I'm here, I'm here to prove some people wrong. And I like that. That's the kind of footballer I want. I don't want someone on 500 grand a week who scored 800 goals saying, well, just because I am who I am, I can do what I want. I want players coming into the football club that saying we're here to kind of start a cultural revolution. That's where De Jong is important to me. I don't think on day one, De Jong makes the team better. I don't think six weeks in, De Jong makes the team better. But in a year, De Jong might be the central piece of your whole football club. That's that's how I see him personally. I tweeted yesterday that I, that I think United have come so far with De Jong now that they cannot afford to miss out on him. That's just how I feel. I don't see a viable alternative. I know you, maybe but you do, but if I, it falls I don't. Apart, if it falls apart, Scott you've got to be zen about it because the yeah, whole point of, of this is, is that you've got to go for the right target. And if you don't get the right target, don't buy the wrong target. That's really, really important. Don't go, go get the YouTube superstar that people are watching because they like him and he can do a few, this out of the others, go and get the player that fits your system that allows your manager to help you win football matches. De Jong is the guy you're going for. You're all in on De Jong. But you know what? If you're bluffing at the table at the poker chips and everything turns over and the cards fall, and it's not what you want, suck it up, go again, try and find the next target, or just carry on developing the squad. So I would love De Jong at Manchester United, but do you know what? If he's not there on September the 1st, I'm not going to be crying tears about it. You've got to get on with the job. And these players have got opportunity here to prove the fans that hate them that they can go and do this under a new coach. John Murta seems confident. John Murto seems confident. Manchester United are very confident. Did you see the video? Like, I saw the video. It's quite funny. Yeah, I did. Of uh, John Murto kind of going... Manchester Get Frankie. Very, Manchester United have been uh, in Catalonia three times in the last six weeks. And they are confident. If they weren't, they would not be. They would not be confident and not be still chasing this player if they didn't think. They totally believe that Barcelona are going to sell this player. And as you just said there about Chelsea, that's the flip side. I think of this deal is that Chelsea could offer more money for for De Jong, and that's when it would get complicated. But I don't think they are. But if you don't pull the trigger on an eighty million euro deal that you've agreed, kind of sixty plus twenty, Chelsea might. Mm-hmm. And if you just kind of move aside because you're, you're feeling the pressure, you might lose him to Chelsea. And then in a year's time, we're saying, you spent all that time on him and now Chelsea have won the Premier League and it's all because of De Jong. You've got to stick to it here because this is what your manager wants. He's the guy driving your project. Stick to the road. Stay on this road. Don't divert just because you're feeling that maybe pressure to, to put that bowl of cereal back in front of Man United fans' faces. Barcelona's public noise for weeks and weeks has been that Frankie de Jong doesn't want to go. We don't want to sell Frankie de Jong. They're private conversations. Why would they have agreed a transfer fee with Man United, which is confirmed they have agreed a transfer fee, if they didn't want to sell him? Why would they do that? That would be... It's so clear to me. The deferred wages is the issue that's holding this up. If United can break the back of this issue... I, I just don't think Barcelona are going to do it. I, I don't think Barcelona are going to willingly pay them back. They need De Jong to, to call that even and to take a pay cut. They've made that absolutely clear. Yeah. Does De Jong uh, want to take a pay cut right off deferred wages and sit on the bench? 
exactly that's his decision like we again we said last week if he makes that choice i'll lower my wage i'll forget the deferred wages i'm i'm a barcelona fan i'll play for you forever just give me like 130 grand a week rather than the 400 you're supposed to give me this year and we're all right with that well, i'm telling you what frankie de jong's agent's not going to be all right with that frankie de jong's agent is not going to go yeah you just make your market so much smaller and your value so much smaller that you're a 400,000 pound a week player that's what we've built you up into be and now you're telling your football club that, yeah, you'll just take less than 200. No, agents don't allow that. Agents would agents literally jump off the cliff for that kind of stuff because that's what their jobs are to protect the value of their client. So this is also where the brinkmanship comes into Barcelona because Barcelona want to basically just cut their losses, get this guy gone and not pay him any more money. It doesn't matter how good he is. It's not about that to them. It's his business. And and because it's business, De Jong and his agent have done the right thing and sat tight. But August 14th, that's the day, the last day I think Barcelona can register players. They're still very active. They've gone and bought Kunde. They're still looking to buy players. It's like crazy. They just never stop. They're selling big chunks of the football club. Oh, look, that bit of the new camp, we can sell that bit over there. How much can we do it for? 50 million to some conglomerate. It's awful. They're an awful football club. And I'll be glad when this is over one way or the other. <laughs> I don't want Manchester United to be dealing with football clubs like Barcelona. This is not the Barcelona that we knew from years gone by. This is a laughing stock of a football team. And it's I think Spotify the, FC. <laughs> it's Spotify FC. And I don't think that Frankie de Jong is really that motivated to play for them in that context. I don't think he wants to be the seventh choice midfielder at Barcelona because that's what he's going to be, even on 400 grand a week. I don't think he's going to be that guy who says, no, I don't want to play football because I just want to be here because my, you know, my fiance really likes the beach down there in Barcelona Bay. No, I don't believe that for a second. I think that if he gets paid up or he gets his wages or something like that, some kind of settlement, he'll be off to Manchester United quick smart. Right. So obviously... I won't talk about them in too much depth today. We've that's the young bit of the segment that's, done again every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, won't talk too much about them today. Benjamin, Sesco, Anthony, other transfer targets that United yeah. have. Maybe we'll talk about Sesco on Friday. We're, we're running a bit low. We're running a bit long. Maybe there will be a decision from his side. Maybe there will be some advancement from what we've already discussed. Anthony, as far as we know, Axe pricing him out of a move at the moment. Anthony is probably going to have to kick up a fuss if he wants this move to happen. As it stands, though, United have signed three players and let six first-teamers go. Mm-hmm. And that has led to the final section of the show today. Are Man United ambitious enough in the market? They're getting a lot of criticism so far this summer for only signing three players. And I said it at the top of the show, yes, I'm frustrated about that as well. I would have ideally liked everyone that they wanted to be in before the start of the Premier League season, to go on the tour, etc., etc. But that's not the case. It's not happened that way. So... United have caught criticism from a large section of the fan base for, you know, this is John Murta's first real transfer window. This is, you know, the, the first real crack of it that they've had. We've also talked about the fact that they've not been linked with 50-odd players in summer. It's been closer to eight because they are actually transfer targets that they act- actively want. Does Are they ambitious enough to you? Uh, to me, it looks like they're trying to sign priority targets and it's slow, but what else can they do? Should they by now have paid, for example, have sorted out the deferred wages issue with Frankie de Jong, taking it upon themselves to do it in order to get him in? Does that does United's current position mean that they are not ambitious enough in the market or are they taking a more measured plan? Where do you stand? I think they're taking a more measured plan. And that, to me, is ambition. Because ambition... Again, I don't know why. We're going to have to put a bowl of cereal on the front of our thumbnail for YouTube this week. But the bowl of cereal was not what you want. You don't want the sugar saccharin. You want the real wholesome meal. That's ambition. Telling your manager, here's the wage, here's the budget, this is what we want to do, you pick the players, is ambition. Ambition is not Ed Woodward sat in his ivory tower picking targets and going, hmm, can we put Mickey Mouse on that jersey and sell it to the Disneyland horde? No, that is an ambition. This is where fans kind of don't get it. So let's talk a little bit just to kind of add a little bit in there to kind of end that segment of Ruben Neves. Ruben Neves is a player that I really like. Ruben Neves has been on Manchester United's watch list for a long, long time. Ruben Neves is not coming to Manchester United today. Why? Because Eric Ten Hag wants Frankie de Jong. That's the way it should be. However, if you go and spend 100 million 
on Ruben Neves tomorrow, that doesn't mean you're ambitious. It just means you're desperate. It just means you're going to go and do business that maybe you didn't want to do yesterday. So Just a reminder, all- the United, um, I know that the Glazers get rightfully a lot of stick. United are the big, one of the top two biggest spenders in European football or in world football over the last decade. They are the top spenders. They, they do the deals top- like that. <laughs> They are Look the top are. spenders on wages and transfer fees of over 1.35 billion. It's heinous that you spent 1.35 billion and you got nowhere. That's on the Glazers. That is a sign of a lack of ambition. Yeah. So when you look at those things, it's not, you cannot judge stuff by that big kind of accumulation fee that you see on your TVs, on your sports news, going, you've spent this amount of money, you won the transfer window. No, football is not about that. It's about what you see on the football pitch. And this is why the answer is youth. This is why the answer is development. This is why the answer is bringing in maybe unfashionable players, like you just said there, Martinez, was he overvalued? I don't believe he's overvalued. I don't care what Man United pay for anyone. I don't care if De Jong is 100 million. But you've got to go and get players and do it within your budgets because it is also a business. So there's a balance there. So ambition started the day you got Eric Ten Hag out of Ajax because it was difficult. People don't realise that. Eric Ten Hag had two or three interviews with Man United and he said, if I don't get these things, I am not coming. I've got offers on the table. I'm not coming to Man United if you're going to pull the rug out from under me. And he got what he wanted. So this is where we are, Scott, is that the ambition comes by empowering your manager. And that's what they're trying to do. So I'm all right with it. No one here called Joel Glazer is doing any transfer business. And I'm happy about that because you don't want the board to be executing deals now. You want the football people to do it. Murto, you've got, you've got there now. Ten Hag, you've got Steve McLaren behind the scenes. You've got football people who are now working with footballers. Now go and sign the correct ones and push on. That's ambition. I know fans want to see money spent. We all want to see money spent. But like I said, I don't I don't judge it by that. And I'm never going to say, oh, United spent 100 million. We are the most ambitious club in the world. No, you've got to do smart business and you've got to bring in the right players. And I think that's the path that Manchester United are on at the moment. We'll see how it comes out. Rob, are you optimistic for the season ahead? I'm optimistic because I believe in Ten Hag. I'm not optimistic because I'm foolhardy or because I haven't seen all this before or I've not watched Manchester United lose football matches. Um, I I don't want to end it by comparing this to the Fergie era, but I'm going to do it anyway. Alex Ferguson took three to four years to build what he wanted to build at Man United. And my God, during that period at the end of the late 80s, when I was just a young boy and a young child at football matches, we watched a lot of guff. It was horrible. A lot of footballers coming into the club, a lot of players leaving the football club and that cycle going on and on and on until they finally got it right in around 1990 when they won that first FA Cup. But it took a long time. And you've got to, I think, give this guy time. He's not going to get three or four years, but you've got to give him a year to reset the needle and then go again. And that's really where we are now, I think, with our football club. Not one signing is going to make you better. There's not going to be a catalyst, but that catalyst might be in 12 months or two years the final brick in the wall. Uh, and that's why with De Jong, you know, even if he comes in, there's no pressure on him in my terms. I think that he's part of this process. So, yeah, I'm optimistic. And as I said, I'm really happy about going to Old Trafford now. I really feel like we're going to be travelling there and I'm going to be seeing something different. Whereas last year, the whole vibe every time you turned up there was a bit like, why am I here? If I didn't have to write about this sport, would I be here? And they're horrible things to feel as a fan. You're going to think to yourself, oh, I'd rather be anywhere else. So let's go, Scott. We know we're ready. Brand new season. Let's, you know, you know, roll our sleeves up. Let's be with these players. Let's be with this manager. Let's support them. And let's try and make Manchester United great once again. We'll talk Brighton on Friday. Uh, United play the opening of their Premier League season on Sunday at home to Brighton, who they lost 4-0 to at the back end of last season at the Amex. It's a tough game. It is a difficult game. Difficult it's one. tough game. It'll be a good measure of the difference, I think, between the back end of last season and the start of this one. We'll see different ideas. We'll see different energy. Hopefully. And hopefully, Rob, you come away from that game thinking, yeah, I'm still excited to go to Old Trafford with my season ticket for the rest of the season. Hopefully, 
there's not a repeat of the four nil. <laughs> Hopefully, there's not a repeat Hopefully. of the four nil, and we're just back in the same position as we were at the back end of last season. But anyway, yeah, optimism. Uh, you have reason for it. Quiet optimism. You know, United. Quiet everyone optimism. knows that United still need to do more. It's going to take time. We we've hired a lot of managers and said it's going to take time. It's going to take time. It's the case again. United are starting again, but I feel like they're doing things differently this time to justify the optimism. I'll so, say this to fans just at the end, just the last thing. I'll say this to fans. If Man United lose a football match, don't kill your players and manager in the first instant. Don't. You might not like it. No one likes losing. No one likes rubbish football. No one wants to see those things. But you're going to see it. So be ready. Be ready to understand the process a little bit more. And that's not an excuse for losing, but it, it is absolutely where Manchester United are today. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And watch us twice a week on YouTube on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community and leave a comment as well. The link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. We'll be tweeting, no doubt about it, throughout the week. All the transfer latest will be tweeting around games, all this kind of business uh, as the season starts again. Hopefully it's a better one than last time. Rob, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a longer show, but I think it's justified. Uh, see you on Friday, Rob. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon and have a good week, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.